0: Welcome to the third episode of the Breaking Free podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Sites, and I'm excited to talk to you today about shame, shame resilience. Before we do that, just like a little housekeeping really quick. You can now find this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. I'm excited for you to be able to follow us regularly there. You can still also find it on WholeWomenLink.com. You can add your email there to uh, not only get podcasts but also articles that are regularly posted. You can also like us on Facebook and leave comments on either the website or Facebook. I really appreciate you joining us as a community. Today we're going to talk a lot about belonging and how um, you know shame is overcome in relationship. Part of the goal of Whole Women Link and also the Podcast is to create further connection, right? To create, create the connection around the uh, the things that we're struggling with, so that we don't feel so alone. And I just hope that you will consider joining us there, um, and considering us a community. I know I think about each of you, um, and what I believe that you know we need uh, as people to overcome our our struggles and our weakness and and move through those things and. Um, but I feel like it's helpful to have feedback, right? So I can tailor this message to each of you. All right, so we're going to talk about shame resilience. Now I have to give credit, full credit to uh, Brene Brown here. I I have taken some courses from her professionally online, and and she has taught me a lot about shame, and I'm grateful for that that understanding. Honestly, I had no idea how important shame was going to be in my life. <laughs> I, I, I recognized that even the term, I don't think I'd even heard it used, and for some of you this may be new today, until I was in graduate school. My, my first professor, my first year, did his dissertation on shame, and it really opened my eyes to how it is the lifeblood to a host of addictions and uh, mental health problems. It's really the organizing factor for, for most mental health disorders. Really, we can find shame highly correlating to anxiety, depression, addiction, you know family violence um, it's It's absolutely something that's worth coming to understand and and learning out how, how to be resilient around one thing I'd have you understand that it this isn't something that we get rid of at some point. We experience shame here it's just something that is in. You know, it's in the water. It's in the culture. Brene Brown would tell you that everyone has shame. Nobody wants to talk about it. And the more that we don't talk about it, the more that our shame pushes us around, right? The more that our shame uh, controls us versus us responding to it. In the last podcast, we talked about learning how to create space, right, for freedom to respond. And one of the ways that we create this space so that we can respond to these difficult emotions that come up is to create awareness, right? We have that witnessing awareness. I'm hoping some of you took the challenge to look within yourself and see what came up there. I asked you to look for body sensations, notice maybe feelings that you're having, if you're able to name them, and also maybe thoughts, beliefs that go along with those things. Those will all tie into your shame resilience work. So you're already on your way, but I'm just going to add to that a little bit more today. So what is shame and is it useful, right? Does it have value? I would say it doesn't. I honestly, and here's where I add my belief in a higher power, I don't believe shame exists with God. I don't believe it's something that we need to keep or that is helpful. I've done lots of meditative work where I've learned that to be true. Uh, but I would I leave people's spiritual development to themselves. And personally, no matter where you're at in spiritual development, and this is this is something that's very important to me as a professional counselor. I let you name that. I find that that's a sacred experience between that person and their higher power. and, and learning to name that and to uh, define that for yourself is something that I won't be doing in this professional podcast, but I really encourage you to do that not because I don't have belief and I don't want to share it, but this podcast is about principles. I want to teach you principles of healing and allow you to govern yourself. That's important to me. I really believe that the power to choose and to act for ourselves is, is God given. And, um, although I, I have my own beliefs about these things, it's really, really important for me to, um, you know, allow you that freedom to come as you are, bring whoever you are to the table and know that you belong, no matter where you are, no matter where you are in your pathway of, you know, growth and body, mind and spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome here at this podcast. Um, But I hope that I am welcome as well. And I will share with you who I am because I believe and I know from research that authenticity and vulnerability are the keys to unlocking shame. Let me say that again. Authenticity and vulnerability are the keys to unlocking our shame. I recently had a moment where I was talking to someone and I was encouraging this person to, you know, authentically share their life experience uh in their 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 uh, pod, their blogging work. Maybe she'll know who she is and and I thought, you know, this is this is where our our real power is found, right? When we are able to share with the world our true and authentic self that resonates with other people, that gives them permission to come out and do the same. And this is how healing is found. So I encourage each of you to, you know, get real with yourselves and recognize, you know, what's really happening for you. You know, where do you find joy? Um, Who are you really? Um, another quote I like to share again, Brene Brown's going to get highlighted a lot today, is from her new book. She's got lots of books that I like. One of my favorites from hers is The Gifts of Imperfection, which will also hold some of the things we talk about today. But this is found in her new book, Braving the Wilderness. And she says Belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in, by seeking approval which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. When we negotiate our worth outside of ourselves, right, when we negotiate it through, um, you know, the things that we do, what kind of parent we are, what kind of job we are, maybe what our body looks like, you know, all these different things, you'll find that you just feel more and more insecure. This is a false way of seeking belonging. And unfortunately, we're very inundated with media and, and beliefs and messages that this is how we should negotiate our worth. Uh, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let's take a minute and go a little deeper and look at the body level of shame. It's hard to unlock it unless we understand that we're in it, right? That it's happening to us. Um, I'll share with you another moment of shame. Just because I'm going to be vulnerable and authentic, just modeling to you today this skill, right? (laughs) I had a moment with my, uh, well, he wasn't in present, but in relationship to my son recently. I'm sure many of you have given instructions to other people right hoping that they'll follow through and sometimes they don't and depending on experiences we've had in our life of feeling invalidated that can mean something to us right well for me invalidation is definitely a piece of my shame resilience model i'm always having to be aware of that sense of where my need for validation is getting triggered and i I was able to give my son a text one morning uh, that I needed him to do a certain amount of chores. He didn't do these chores, of course, because my son, whether he chose not to read them or didn't read them, it just didn't happen. So I went up to his room this Saturday morning after I had you know, thought it would give him adequate time to see you know, how he was doing with these chores, and he was gone. He was gone and nothing had been done. You guys, I had a very angry response. And I have to admit that the response was much greater than the event, right? This is not the first time that this room has looked messy, right? That, you know, my teenage son has not used his prefrontal cortex, right? And forgotten something. Those of you who have teenagers, you know what I'm saying, right? Like I I really have had enough experience with that to realize that like a lot of times our teens aren't trying to hurt us. They just aren't fully connected with their brains to their bodies, right? And so, but I was really, really upset this day. And I started getting really agitated, and I used some choice words, I should say some not choice words, which isn't usually my MO, but I I did, and I I got really angry and just kind of started tantruming a little bit. Well, luckily, my my husband was nearby, and he popped out of his office, and he he looked at me. And this look that he gave me, I think, just kind of brought me back into the reality that I was out of control, right? And this wasn't an appropriate response for what had happened. And it was definitely violating my own values. I don't like to uh, interact with people like this. I don't feel that it's helpful to shame and to use fear and, and uh, you know, this type of language. It doesn't motivate. So I kind of finally got myself together and I I wasn't yet out of shame, but I, I took myself in time out. Now, guys, I've done a lot of parenting classes over the years and I'm going to be the first person to tell you. I obviously here I'm not a perfect parent, but I'm telling you what. Timeouts are great for adults. They're really good for adults. So I put myself in timeout and I sat there and I started to do the body work, right? So let's talk about what was happening in my body because this is what happened for me. I went inside and I realized I was in a really tight muscle body. Wow, something was definitely going on here. When we have a shame response, our body will tighten up like we're in a flight or fight response. Stress is just a flight or fight response. So I definitely had a tight body. Um, I wasn't thinking clearly, and when we get this high level of stress in our body, we'll actually shut down our brain and move us into our amygdala and our, our kind of uh, back part of our brain where we're just feeling emotions and reacting to those and in kind of a survival mode. And I was definitely in a survival mode and I wasn't thinking clearly, and I wasn't adding my skills, right? I was just acting I was just reacting versus responding to the event. So I started to just tap into breath in through my nose, out through my mouth, noticing my body. And I just got curious, why did I just do that? Why did I, what is going on for me? Okay, so yeah, my son didn't clean his room, but that's happened a lot of times before and I didn't act like this. What do I need here? Like, what is this really about? And luckily for me, I know that anger is a second emotion. Those of you that get anger have angry responses, right? You have that shame for shame response like I was having in this moment. Know, to, know that that is always a second response. There's something underneath that iceberg. It's usually a softer emotion that we're not wanting to deal with, um, that we're protecting. And so I got clear with that. I, I recognized all of a sudden as I went underneath that I had sadness. I could feel this sadness come up. And as I acknowledged that sadness and I named that sadness, all of a sudden my body started to relax a little bit more. When we are able to name our emotion, and, and, and be present with it, it starts to unlock our shame. I was able to then start to develop some language around it. I really wasn't ready to talk to somebody else yet, but I was just processing. My husband happened to come downstairs and follow me, bless his heart, because you know, his wife was really not herself, which was... Maybe he was trying to protect me from further injury of the family, who knows. But he did come and 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 offer support. And he just sat there um, and he asked me what was going on. I told him I don't really know yet, right? And luckily he didn't press. And we'll talk about how that's important here in a minute. And I, I just said, I think I'm feeling really sad, right? So I just explored that a little bit more in my mind. And I started to realize that for me, the reason why I had acted the way I did was that And I'm sure those of you that have teenagers will understand, we just don't get that much time with our teenagers, right? They're busy with their activities and school and friends. And I hadn't seen much of this teenager all week. And I actually was really looking forward to having this time with him this Saturday. And so I wasn't really as upset about his chores, but I was upset the fact that he had already left and he was gone and that I wasn't getting to have this time with him when I realized that that was what it was, I realized what I needed, right? I started to move towards meeting my need and being authentic about that, that that was really okay. I was able to send my son a text and say, Hey, you know, you, you, I don't think you responded or saw these things that you need to do. And he admitted that he did it. And I said, you know what? You need to do those by the end of the day. So he wasn't off the hook, but what I really asked him for was to spend some time together. And we were able to spend that time together and, um, that shame was able to unlock even before he came because I had already moved towards a solution. So this is kind of shame, resilience, in action, right? That slowing down, going inside, calming our bodies, connecting with our emotions, naming them, sharing them. I did share it with my spouse. When we are able to make connection with another person and they're, we're able to feel felt, we call it, um, one of my favorite books about this type of work is Parenting from the Inside Out. Uh, it's cl- classic for helping someone learn how to, you know, unlock the reasons why they are unable to parent the way they'd like to parent and, and figure out what's going on from them. And it's by Daniel J. Siegel and Mary Hartzell. Uh, and it's it's a classic book. It's It's one that we read in most of our you know, human growth and development classes in graduate school. And I would highly recommend it to you if you're trying to, you know, unlock the reasons why you're you're struggling to be the parent you want to be. So now that we have this model, right, we're able to have that space, go within our body, unlock our shame, name it, share it with another person. We're starting to create that compassion and that connection and and we are able to start to have that resilience. The last piece I'd just like to share with you today is recognizing that shame hits us differently depending on who we are. Both of these responses were for the most part, um, hyper agitation, although I would say the first one was what I call hypo agitation a little bit. And not everybody responds to shame in the same way, right? Some people get really, you know, outwardly frustrated and angry or we can see that that obviously that they're disturbed in some way and they need this what I call top-down approach where they start with just being curious and finding language for and then the emotion but other people get hypoagitated; they go away they shut down they space out I'm sure you've noticed that in people right there's like a wall that goes up and there's no connection when when they do that they don't need you to go to language or lecture or or pester them right to come out yet. They're not ready. Remember, my spouse sat there and, and just offered physical support, but he didn't say much. Right. That was important for me uh, that he didn't condemn my experience, that he didn't give me shame for shame. We often do that with people. Right. We have an issue with their Struggle. Maybe we struggle similarly and we're not okay with our struggle. So we put that on them that it's not okay that they're struggling. But I really think it's important to first, we call this a bottom up, but we're going to connect with our body first, right? Let them maybe we just put our hand on their shoulders and physically let them know that we're there. I would say very gently. Um, with clients, when they hypoagitate, they go away like this, they disassociate. I, I just I try to make some physical connection. Maybe I just let t- lightly touch their knee or their shoulder and, and just let them know I'm physically there. And I just say, hey, I'm here. You know, are you okay? And that's really all I'll say. I don't add much words yet. I actually breathe because I know there's mirror neurons passing between me and them. And so I start regulating and modeling for them that regulation in my physical body and they pick it up. And then I might suggest it to them. Hey, just breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Adults don't necessarily love that when we tell them to breathe, but honestly, you can just breathe next to them and they will pick that up. The other thing that you can start to do is just for yourself is notice your five senses, right? Feel your feet on the ground. Um, You know, go inside what's happening in my body. You know, um, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? As we connect to all these senses, it starts to bring us back into our prefrontal cortex. Eventually, we can name our emotions, find language. And maybe, maybe eventually when that emotion goes, we can share it. And once we get to the point where we can share that imperfection with another, we can start to accept that imperfection, right? We can start to accept that deviation from who we want to be and let it go. I, I really appreciate you kind of just exploring shame with me today on this podcast. I know this doesn't solve it all, but I hope that you'll start to break free and understand that. You know, nothing can separate you from love and connection. There's really nothing that you can do that makes you unworthy of love and connection. I know that we have experiences in this life that would tell us uh, otherwise. You know, we have beliefs and emotions that get stuck in our bodies. Some of you will be finding walls, um, walls to being able to even feel an emotion. I want you to be curious about that, right? You start to go towards something and it's like, boom, there's a wall. There's nothing, I can't go any further. Our body has an amazing way to protect us from our hurt stories, our painful pieces. Um, If you just love and accept that that's there and that's trying to protect you from something and, and, and start to be curious about what is there, create some safe space around that, maybe get some help around that, you'll find that you can unlock those pieces that aren't really true to you. Healing is about, is an inside job. You know, it's about moving those things that are in us, that are foreign to us, giving it an outlet, right? Emotion is what I call energy in motion and needs an outlet. Sometimes that outlet is a safe other person. The number one reason for success of therapy with clients is that therapeutic relationship, right? We we have this empathic, unconditional, loving environment where we just say to people, you know, it, it's okay to struggle like you struggle. You you are enough, Um, and then start to tool them in that environment. I hope you can say to yourself, and this is a phrase you can take from me today in this podcast, though, even though I'm struggling with this emotion or this behavior, this weakness, I love and accept myself. You know, I love and accept myself. And perhaps you can take it a little step further and say, even though I have these weaknesses, nothing can separate me from my higher power. There's nothing that I can do just like that little baby that would take my value away. My value is here. It is intact. My worth is non-negotiable. So if that's true, you know, really all I'm needing to do is find a way to release the things that are foreign to that. The the things that are in the way of me feeling that worth and belonging more fully, uh, release beliefs, uh, And we'll talk more about that coming up, beliefs and emotions that are in that way. And as we're able to do that, we're able to speak truth to those lies that we've picked up in interaction with people here. We're really able to heal. So thank you for joining me for this podcast. I hope that you will find more shame resilience. um, And I look forward to the next time that I get to speak with you.